Apparently, Zach doesn't give a shit. Hello, everyone! Starting a wee bit late because we had some issues with Sirenscape that are not currently resolved. So, going to be listening to a little bit of lo-fi as we stream tonight. Uh, I don't know what that is, but it's probably amazing. So, uh, welcome to Whiskey... Alright, moving on. Welcome to Whiskey Wednesdays, a Fools and Flagon show where I, the DM, review and discuss various topics regarding D&D while drinking a glass of whiskey. The stream will last at least as long as it takes me to finish my glass, if not longer, as the conversations take place. Uh, we have started a new streaming schedule, and there's a calendar to help keep track of all of our upcoming new shows. The link will be down below for you to click on and see what's coming up next. Uh, Whiskey Wednesdays will be available on Mondays after the show airs on Twitch, on our YouTube channel, or in podcast form on iTunes, Spotify, and many other podcast services. Uh, donations are never required, but always appreciated. Kayla's not here to say otherwise, so uh, if you would like to support us, please consider our, co our coffee page. All proceeds from donations and memberships go straight back into making Fools and Flagons an even better experience. <clears throat> And it really helps keep the podcast alive and well. Oh, God, I don't know what's possessing me. It's like a cute little demon is compelling me to say something. You're always required. Okay, there we go. We're good. Listen, don't well, listen you to you that. forgot never appreciated, but I, I, I appreciate the attempt. <laughs> listen, uh, listen you don't have to of, donate to the everybody. But you don't have to donate everybody. to the everybody. Not to donate to them, you should go to Zahn's personal Ko-Fi page, because they don't need it. I need it. I'm fantastic. What? I need money. I, I totally explosive. Have you have a coffee shit. page? I... Get shut, shut, shut up. <laughs> 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 don't make me swap your gif out with a coffee mug instead. I'm broke. <laughs> well, speaking of coffee, uh, you can also purchase a doodle of questionable quality. Uh, for a mere $10, you're not only helping us out, but you'll, you will also get a doodle from Venera of a creature of your choosing, the quality of which will be questionable at best. Metal's already gotten one. It's a cotton candy turtle. And it was a D. Cotton candy turtle was doodly. It was doodly and questionably. It was questionably doodled. I wonder if I've got a enough doodle. room on the stream here to put the artwork, artwork slideshow up somewhere and not have it just be a clusterfuck. I just realized we could shorten that to just DQ. DQQ? Yes, we could shorten it to Dairy Queen. That's, yeah, but... Yeah, that was the joke. I was doodle, doodle of Dairy... Doodle of Dairy Queen. Doodle of questionable <laughs> quality just flows so well. It comes with a free milkshake. <laughs> and it totally brings all the boys to the yard. <gasps> My milkshakes! Um, I don't know if we're going to be joined by Venera tonight, but she does have a topic that she wished to discuss. We'll see. If I see her pop on in general chat, then maybe we can all just harass her until she comes in and answers the question, and then she can bug her off. Yeah. Alright, so, uh, <laughs> without le faire adieu, shall we start with the first topic? No, let's start with maybe. the third one. No, we're going to start I with the like first one. Plot twist, I like but it. I want the third one! I did, it's my show. Go fuck yourself. Uh, yes, so, Darky. Blood Hunter, Order of the Lycan. I believe this one was recommended by Zeke. Hello. Uh, so. Uh, werewolves. Well, not necessarily. Fucking furries. Definitely were creatures, but there's actually quite a few uh, were forms that 
you can take as uh, in regards to D&D. Uh, you have mm-hmm. werebears, boars, were-rats, were-tigers, and were-wolves. Mm-hmm. And they all have different alignments. <clears throat> Thank God there's no were... What is the... No were-haragons. Thank God. That'd just be a clusterfuck of stupid... Shut the fuck up, Zeke. There's no <laughs> such thing as it. <laughs> Logging into D&D Beyond. Opening up a homebrew page. Hacking <laughs> Ian's computer. Deleting his homebrew page. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so a few, a few things, uh, just kind of got to go down my list here. Uh, Order of the Lycan Bloodhunters have advantage on perception checks relying on hearing or smell. Kind of makes sense. Because they're big awoos and whatnot. Nim, can I get an awoo? I'm not going to lie. Now I kind of Is your name Nim? Shut the fuck up. I'm waiting for the awoo. Awoo. Okay, Zach, please continue. Thank you, Pez. I kind of <laughs> want you to make a were-haragon now since they already have advantage on perception when they give me expertise on perception. That's not how it works. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the cool thing about them uh, in regards to... So, the Order of the Lycan technically overrules the regular uh, werewolf feature trait. Uh, you can speak, use equipment, and wear armor while in this form. Uh, you're able to revert the form as a bonus action. Um, oh, and it's a bonus action to turn into the hybrid form for up to one hour. Uh, it reverts if time expires, you fall unconscious or die. Surprise, surprise. And you must finish a short or long rest before using this feature again. So it's very reminiscent of... Uh, what are the, the creatures from World of Warcraft, Zach? The, um... How about the Worgen? Yeah, those guys. Mm-hmm. So you basically just have like a mini Hulk out, get fluffy and start fucking shit up. And then start attending cons at first. <laughs> it's funny. You skipped a couple up. steps. Nope. It's immediate straight to hell. There's no in between. Wow. All right. So, uh, speaking of the hybrid transformation, here's a bit of an overview of the features of the hybrid transformation. It overrides the standard wear forms, as I said before. You get advantage on strength checks and saving throws, and you add a plus one to your melee damage rolls, increasing to plus two at 11th and plus three at 18th. So, That's pretty cool. yeah, there, therein lies the mini Hulk out. Uh, you also get a little bit, not even really a little bit, you basically get the features of rage, because you get resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical attacks, not made with silvered weapons. You also get a plus one to your AC if you were not wearing heavy armor. Yeah. Um, you also get to use your dex instead of your strength for the attack and damage rolls, which deal either slashing or bludgeoning damage, your choice, and the damage is increased to 1d8 at 11th level. So, uh, oh, sorry, I, I missed a bullet point there. You can apply your Crimson Rites to your unarmed attacks via your claws. The dex and strength and all of that is in regards to your unarmed strikes. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Crimson Rites are abilities where you get to add additional effects to weapon attacks. Yeah, we'll be touching on those here a little bit later. Um, and it is fun. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, also, if you're using your attack action to make an unarmed strike, you can make one additional unarmed strike as a bonus action. So you basically just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
cool. Uh, so there are some downsides. Uh, the main downside being uh, if you start your turn below 50% HP, you have to make a DC 8 wisdom save or move towards the nearest creature, which includes an ally, and use the attack action against that creature. If you are concentrating on a spell or are under the effect an effect that prevents you from concentrating, much like a barbarian rage, you automatically fail the saving throw. So... If you have the extra attack feature, you can choose whether or not to use it during this attack. You still have to attack at least once, but if you go up against an enemy, you can say, oh, I want to go ahead and, you know, hit this guy twice. If more than one creature is equally near you, you roll a dice to randomly determine your target, and once the attack is resolved, you regain control of yourself. What makes me curious about that is, since it's not specifically worded, I'm torn between it happening once or does it happen every time you start your turn? So if you're below 50% HP and you're forced to attack the nearest creature, it says once the attack is resolved, you regain control of yourself. I'm assuming that means that you can move every, and use bonus actions. Every, in my experience, it has been every turn that uh, you start below 50% HP. Okay, so then basically it wastes your attack, not waste, but it uses your attack action. And so long as you have movement and your bonus left, you can do that after you've attacked. So, yeah, that's that's the way I'm interpreting it. Yeah. Now, the thing is, though, is that's only if you're in your hybrid form. So if you get below 50% HP, you attack somebody, you're like, I'm below 50, I'm way below 50. I don't want to keep attacking my buddies, just no longer hybrid form and... You're not hindered, really, anymore. Yeah, but at the same time, if you're in the middle of a battle, and that might hurt you a lot, because uh, you don't get any of the benefits either. So it's a uh, true. I mean, a, you still have a lot in your repertoire as a blood hunter to uh, to make use of, and I suppose the thing is, uh, is like if again, it's a DC eight wisdom save. It's not that fucking hard. Like, sure, it'll happen. But mm -hmm. it's not... Yeah. Just uh, don't make wisdom your dump stat. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, because I think Bloodhunter, you get to pick if it's wisdom or something else for your spellcasting modifier and all, right? Or is it just wisdom? I can't remember. Uh, Might be Dex. Blood, no. Bloodhunter... Because um, I don't know of any Bloodhunter besides Profane Soul that gets spellcasting. <laughs> That's that's what I'm referencing at that point. Um. Then I mean, it, if it's uh, order of profane soul, your spellcasting is usually the same as a. Uh, let's see. Yeah, you get to choose uh, intelligence or wisdom. Oh, fucking nailed it. Uh. Okay. At seventh level. Your movement and jump distance increases by 10 feet. You also gain a plus one bonus to unarmed attack rolls, and this increases at uh, to plus two at 11th and plus three at 18th. At 11th level, you can use your transform feature twice and regain all expended uses after a short or long rest. At the start of your turn, so long as you have one hit point and below 50%, you gain hit points equal to one plus your con uh, constitution modifier. If you were in hybrid form, you gain these hit points before 
resolving bloodlust rolls, potentially negating the need for bloodlust saving throws. So yeah, you basically get to heal a little bit. I mean, if you're Ending at 11th level, at most, your constitution modifier is going to be, what, 5? Yeah. It's actually very similar to the uh, troll belt that I have. Yeah. So, I mean, at best, you're going to be getting 6 hit points back, but, I mean, 6 hit points is 6 hit points. Right. And, I mean, you know, depending on whether or not you get your constitution modifier up early probably be it's probably better in the early well then again you don't get access to it until your 11th level so i don't know that's a little also as a um as a blood hunter your constitution modifier needs to be a very high uh priority yeah well i mean you're melee and you sacrifice your health to um use your stuff so you want your constitution modifier to be high so that you have enough fucking HP reserves to cut yourself. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. <laughs> Irrelevant. Okay. Uh, this one's kind of nice. Granted, it's very, very, you know, later on in the grand scheme of things, but at 15th level, you have advantage on your bloodlust saving throw. I mean, that's cool that's and all. all. You shouldn't be saving a. You shouldn't be failing a DC 8 wisdom save at 15th level. Unless you're rolling natural ones. Damn. <laughs> <clears throat> I said you, not me. Who's the royal you? I know what you mean. Uh, while in hybrid form, you have advantage on attack rolls against a creature affected by your brand of castigation. Which is essentially kind of, well, actually... What is the castitation? Hold on. Why is it not? Ah, oh, D and D Beyond, you suck. <laughs> uh, let's see. D and D Beyond. D and D Beyond. I go over to Bloodhunter and boop, roll down. Brand of castigation. Okay, at sixth level, when you damage a creature with a weapon for which you have an active crimson right. You can channel Hemocraft magic to sear an arcane brand into that creature. No action required. Buy now. Three easy payments at $9.95. You always know <laughs> the direction to the branded creature as long as it's on the same plane as you. Further, each time the branded creature deals damage to you or a creature you see within five feet of you, the branded creature takes psychic damage equal to your Hemocraft modifier, a minimum of one. So you're basically just marking this dude and inflicting pain always nice. and it's sort of like a mini hunter's mark that you just always know where the fuck they are yeah and that's that's an interesting thing all i can think of now is right now world of warcraft's hunter mark where it's just like this giant red fucking arrow that just hovers above their head like they're standing behind a wall, you can just see this fucking big ass arrow above their head. I'm over here. Well, no, yeah. but I mean, it's it's actually almost even even more better than Hunter's Mark because Hunter's Mark has a limit of six to eight hours, I believe. This brand mm -hmm. lasts until you dismiss it or until you use the feature to apply the brand to another creature. It can be dispelled with dispel magic, but yeah, yeah it, it won't 
it won't end unless you end it. Yeah, cool. that is the literal definition of you can run, but you can't hide. Yeah. Oh, wait, you can run. You keep surprising me. <laughs> Favorite scene of that movie. Okay. Last but not least, at 18th level, you can transform an unlimited number of times, and it lasts until you revert, fall unconscious, or die. You also gain the blood curse of the howl for your blood maledict feature. This doesn't count against your number of blood curses known. Blood curse of the howl. Let's see what that is. Um... Blood curse of the howl. Oh, bloody boy. It's such a good one. Do you want to look it up or you want me to? I got it right here. As an action, you can unleash a blood curdling howl. Each creature within 30 feet of you that can hear you must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or become frightened of you until the end of your next turn. If a creature fails its saving throw by five or more, ooh, it is stunned while frightened in this way. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, a stunned creature is incapacitated, can't move, and can't speak. Uh, it automatically <laughs> fails strength and dexterity saving throws, and attack rolls against that creature have advantage. And you a basically don't get your turn. Yeah. Uh, a creature that succeeds on saving throw is immune to this blood curse for the next 24 hours. Um, if you live. And the if you... Because they also get an ability called Amplify. If you amplify it, uh, its range is increased to 60 feet instead of 30. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that is... That's kind of like calling back to... Um, uh, a wolf's ability to make uh, prey creatures' blood run cold and freeze up. So that's pretty cool. Or like a T-Rex making smaller creatures take a shit. Yeah. Uh, so I like that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting that they have this line as a separate paragraph instead of putting it up where it tells you who you can target. It says you can choose any number of creatures you can see to be unaffected by the howl. But that's like after the fact. So I completely missed that like the first two times I read this ability. And I was like, wow, that literally means everyone. But then it's just like, oh yeah, no, it's there and not really everyone. And that's, yeah. <laughs> My friends know not to be afraid of the howl. They're fine. Oh, oh I thought of one. It's like Barbara Streisand to a normal human being. <laughs> I was going to say it's like in Hunter Hunter with uh, Ugovin. I, I forgot. It's the yes. big spiky haired dude, and he screams and like makes everyone's eardrums like explode. Yeah, it's like this guy from blah, 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 who does blah. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty much uh, all I got as far as the Blood Hunter Order of the Lycan goes. That's the basic rundown of things that I found to be uh, particularly interesting. <laughs> I will say most of the blood maledicts like i'm not super thrilled with a lot of them like none of like some of them yeah they're useful i can see how they could be used but none of them are just like oh my god i i want to take it's, that are you talking it's about probably the not of the maledicts oh cur curses sorry it's probably one of those where alone they're not anything special but it's probably how you combine them with other things that makes them effective oh oh for sure I'm just, I'm looking at it from both sides of the argument. Like, if I was playing this character alone, there's really only, like, one that really, really interests me. And that's Blood Curse of Exposure. When a creature <clears throat> you can see within 30 I feet of you... One. Yeah. 
When a creature within 30 feet of you takes damage from an attack or spell, you can use your reaction to temporarily weaken its resilience. Until the, until the end of the target's next turn, it loses resistance to all the to all the damage types dealt by triggering attack or spell. So if you're fighting a fucking vampire or whatever that's resistant or immune to necrotic, you basically nullify that until the end of that creature's turn. And if you amplify it, the target instead loses invulnerability. Sorry, the weaker version is just resistances. The amplification makes them lose invulnerability to damage types of the triggering attack or spell, but has resistance to those damage types until the end of its next turn. So if you have like a lightning wyvern that's completely immune to lightning, it's now resistant. But if the wyvern is resistant to fire, it's now not resistant. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, there's other ones like uh, Exorcist is useful, but you don't get it until your 15th level Ghost Slayer, and you basically unpossess someone. Yeah. Um, but why would you want to unpossess someone? If that it's a friendly. Oh, I was about to be like, yeah. But why would you not want to possess somebody? Yeah. That sounds fucking awesome. As a bonus action, you choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of you that is charmed or frightened or which is under a possession effect. The creature is no longer under that effect. If you amplify it, a creature that is charmed, frightened, or possessed of your curse takes uh, psychic damage and must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be stunned until the end of your next turn. So, the, uh, If you're in a party and someone's getting attacked, there's uh, Blood Curse of the Eyeless, which is pretty good, which is where you can use a reaction to subtract uh, some numbers from their attack roll to try to make a miss. Yeah. Uh, it is a Hemocraft die roll, which I believe goes to like 6, 8, and then 10 as you level up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so a, a, lot, of the, a lot of the blood curses are very much use, uh, useful in tandem with a group, which, granted, you're going to be in a party, so that is going to be useful, because even stuff like a Fallen Puppet, you could use that on a ally or an enemy. Uh, True. Which is... Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that are useful when you are definitely in a group, um, and and that's I, I should probably reiterate what I meant in that like there, the blood curses are really fucking useful, but apart from the uh, exposure, I wasn't like I I could go like oh yeah I can see how that's useful. That was just like wow, that is the first one I'm taking. I don't care about the rest of them. Right. Yeah. It's surprisingly supporty for something that's uh, generally up close and in your face. Well, you you were saying that you could only uh, that this was this would definitely be an up close and in your face. But I was even thinking, could you use this class um, for a long range, like a like a longbow wielding character? Because I don't think uh, not many of it of the stipulations say melee. It just says weapon. Um, I believe you're right on that. Uh, there is no stipulation saying what kind of weapon. Let me. Let me I mean, for the lichen, quick. yes. That it, for the lichen itself, yes, that would be a very much up close and in your face. But as for the other three subclasses, there's nothing saying that you can't be a long range attacker. Well, even for the lichen, the only 
extra bit is that you, because as a regular blood hunter, you can't use a blood curse on your hands, but as a, um, uh, a wear creature, you've got claws that you can use your blood curses on. Right. Uh, let's see. I mean, even the like, it's, it's really interesting to me because a lot of this seems to lend itself more to a dex-based character. Even the lichen gives you options as like, oh, you can do more more of a dex-based character because it even says uh, that you can't even use one of the abilities if you're wearing heavy armor. So, looking at the Crimson Right, it says, as a bonus action, you can activate any right you know on one weapon you're holding. So yeah, if you have a ranged weapon, crossbow, bow and arrow, whatever, yeah, I, I, I would be forced to allow it. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It just, just know it from what I know from the different, uh, subclasses and the base abilities. It just me personally, it seems like it does lend itself more to a mid to long range attacker rather than an up in your face, like a barbarian or a fighter. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, I, I believe the Blood Hunter is themed off of being a fighter. It's not, you know, it's not a fighter subclass, but it right. has very similar feel to fighter to me, anyway. Right. Yeah, it's it's well, it's it's very much based off of The Witcher. I I feel like I feel like yeah. we can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah. Now that you say it, it's really fucking obvious. Well, even even the subclass of the mutant uses potions like a witcher, mm. like that. You can you can definitely tell where he was uh, taking inspiration from when he built this, which not a bad thing. It, witcher and similar properties are very popular as far as uh, monster hunting fantasy goes. I was definitely not I... thrilled with Order of the Mutant. I would be interested in actually like hybrid wise. It's not a blood hunter, but like the one that we were talking about last stream, like. Somebody who's a half dragon for the most part and could turn into a dragon for whatever length of something. Because different different flights of dragons can end up having different abilities and shit like that. Hmm. Yeah. Not blood hunter, but you know. I mean, I would probably just more or less look at a dragonborn and take a lot of its perks. And just give yourself uh, a feature that at varying levels you get to polymorph for longer and longer. Maybe polymorph into higher crit rating dragons, depending. It wouldn't be a hard one to do. Oh, no, but I mean, like, be very... I wouldn't say, like, be a dragonborn at that point, not be scaly, but, like... No, 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 I... Sorry, I'm meaning look at the dragonborn for inspiration for the bonuses. Like, oh, if, yeah, you're, yeah. if you're transforming into a... Uh, a red dragon, well, then you're going to get a breath attack that's fire, or you're going to have natural fire resistance, and if you polymorph into a, a red dragon, then you'll have fire invulnerability. You know, shit like that. Yeah. that. That's what I'm saying of taking that inspiration from the dragonborn and whatever oh, one no, they I got take that. I just meant, like, Bloodhunter seems really cool, but I don't know. Like, I looked, looked at it, and it, it seems like it adds a lot of complexities... There's a lot of complexity to it, mm -hmm. for to sure. It, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just like, unless you really want to play a Blood Hunter, I don't see somebody going out of their way to play one. 
Yeah, uh, this is this is definitely not a class you play on your second or third time playing D anD. d No, you you need some practice because like looking at the order of the mutants, uh, I I thought that I was gonna be like on board for on board for this, but it's it's complicated because you have mm-hmm. to craft your mutagens, and the mutagens only last for a day. Yeah, so and a like, lot of them have really good upsides, but also really steep downsides. Well, and a lot of them are really fucking box standards. Like, oh, you have, uh, let's see, so conservant. You have advantage on intelligence, but you have disadvantage on wisdom. You have advantage on dexterity, but you have disadvantage on wisdom. You have resistance to fire damage, but vulnerability to cold damage. Like, it's very bog standard and, mm-hmm. in my opinion, kind of boring, I mean, I, I, again, I see its its bonuses and all, but knowing roleplay-wise that you're going to have to go out and get these ingredients, and when you wake up every fucking morning, you're going to be have to be like, okay, what am I brewing today? I'm going to craft my Wheaties. You don't have uh, to. Well, you don't have to, but if you don't have your mutagens prepared and you get into a fight... You can't go, time out, everybody. Let me pull out my at-home chemistry set real quick. You're saying you can't, but there's actually nothing stopping you. It's just, it'd be really stupid, too. Yeah, you'd be fucking really fucking stupid, too. The stupidity of it really stops you. (laughs) It's just one of those, like, you don't have to craft them every day. But you, you don't, should. but you're yeah, you you don't, but you're losing a key part of the entire class, yeah. at least for that subclass. Of, the, of that, that's, subclass. That's, that's the point that I'm making. Like you don't have to do any of this stuff, but like there's no point to play Bloodhunter unless you do it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's if it were me, I would probably make them last at least a few days, maybe. Well, you're the DM, so I mean, like I know, and in, that's why I'm saying I would. I. Yeah, and of course, like after you you get to the higher levels, uh, your abilities interact more with the mutant mutagen. Fucking can't talk. The mutagens, mutagens, uh, the mutagens to make it more beneficial. True. Like even seventh level, uh, your body begins to adapt to toxins and venoms, ignoring corrupting effects. Uh, you gain immunity to the poison and poison condition. And uh, you can resist the the negative effects of a mute of a mute. Fuck it, hell. Third Muted. time's the charm. Okay, no, it's so not. I'm moving on. Zeke's not allowed to read anymore. Ian, you have must start reading. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually yeah. talking to Metal about this, and I was joking about uh, one one of the features of that that he was talking about is uh, after a certain level, you were able to f- take an action, focus, and uh, negate the mutagen effects on you. So my thought is like, you're literally in the middle of a fight and you just go, all right, pants down. And then you're like, all right, I'm good. You just what shit. I shout out all the bad. Yeah, you shit, <laughs> you shit it out of your system. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that. I definitely see upsides, but you, I would recommend, especially if you're going Order of the Mutant, talk to your DM first. Make sure that they're aware that you want to go Order of the Mutant because you're going to have to... The DM is going to have to have places for you to find your ingredients or give you the ability and wherewithal to collect it like on the road. Mm-hmm. 
unless they're kind of pulling the uh oh it's just assumed that when you go to town you buy your materials and we're just gonna fucking move on but still check with your dm oh yeah take two of these and call me in the morning <laughs> yeah blood hunter is definitely not for um beginners for sure no yeah but i tell you what though it was super fun to play an order of the lichen changeling who was always a satyr so he was just this sort of where changeling goat wolf and it was, <laughs> everyone was so confused when they saw the the where goat wolf pulling up and just is that a where goat wolf slash oh i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was super fun too because uh my friend was playing a fuck i forget what it was but they had a class that used like potions uh to to buff allies um a class that uses potions yeah like, it was it was artificer I think maybe artificer i think i think it was artificer that's right uh but yeah they yeah alchemist they actually had yeah that's the one but they <laughs> kind of like there was this super awesome moment where we were fighting a chimera and uh i just went fucking hulk mode with with my werewolf rage and then all of a sudden she really didn't her character really did not like mine she just tossed me a potion was just like go get him bud I just fucking downed the flask in my hand, crushed it in my hand, activated the right, uh, the crimson right to, like, burn my hand, and then just go dab and <laughs> start slashing at it. Do you remember Dude, which potion she gave you? I, th I do not. I think it was something that um, that uh, gave me a bonus on my attack rolls or something like that. Might have been a potion of haste or something. I don't know. It, it yeah. was something that really benefited, like, my attacks, too, so it felt yeah, pretty badass. Yeah, I, I was looking at the experimental elixir table, and I was just curious if it was, like, healing, swiftness, resilience, or whatever, but, yeah. With, with Artificer, you your imagination's the limit. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, closing remarks on Bloodhunter, or Order of the Lycan, specifically? I like it. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, really <laughs> fun. He, he likens it. <laughs> Really I'm fun, a, it. a really great uh, thing to look at for multiclassing if someone gets bitten by a were creature. Uh, but definitely consult with the DM and make sure you're both on board and know what you're doing. Yeah, and I I would probably, depending on how you want to handle it, maybe argue against multiclassing because in in the case of Metal's last character before we quit, we were level seven, level eight. It's like if he mm -hmm. wanted to multiclass at that point, well, he's already got seven levels in Paladin. He's going to be hindered one way or the other. Yeah. Granted, uh, granted, Zeke was kind enough to let me retcon a, a couple of my levels and just kind of go back to kind of give me the order of the Lycan. I think he was going to let me go back to like 
from level eight go back to like level five in paladin and then level three yeah we we were we were doing some experimentation there was i think there was even talk of not even making it uh uh, a subclass just taking some of the stuff from that class and making it a feat for you or something Mm -hmm. yeah we we were doing some experimentation that never came to full fruition i'm a paladin i'm also a werewolf do i kill myself Okay. <laughs> well, it was actually really interesting. We looked at the lore, and the god that he went with was also a were creature in the lore when he was mortal. So that that created a whole different thing. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it yeah. kind of like the Da Vinci Code, he would just be doing like self-flagellation. <laughs> so, or uh, self-punishment, Silas. I guess. Yeah, Silas. Uh, poor Silas. How the fuck? Out of all the movies that I've referenced, that's the one you've seen. That's the one you know. I'm yeah. so mad at <laughs> <That's> you. Just, <laughs> that is just unbelievable. <laughs> hasn't seen hasn't seen most of the Marvel movies. Have Have you seen Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yeah, we watched that one. Yes. Okay. Yeah, good. Fucking Christ! I was about to have to murder somebody. You were in here when we watched <laughs> it with him. I'm aware, but I was didn't remember. It's been a long time. Yeah. All right. That's the one. Moving on. Uh, Moving on. Moving on. To the Dragonborn versus Lizard Folk, which, if I am correct, it was Nim, as I watch him unmute in Discord, uh, who suggested it. So, uh, to kind of give a little bit of a uh, declaration here, some of the traits that I'm about to list are for basic Dragonborns, and they're not necessarily going to reflect the same across the Metallic, Chromatic, Gem, or uh, uh, Ravenite Dragonborn. Some of them will be unchanged, some of them may be tweaked a little bit, depending on which sub-race you want to go with. So, a lot of this stuff... um, there's there's just so much to go over here so i'm gonna hit the easy like in-game stats real quick uh to do a side-by-side comparison so if you go as a dragonborn uh your ability and score increases are plus two to strength and plus one to charisma versus a lizard folk which is plus two constitution and plus one wisdom the age of dragonborns they reach adulthood by about 15 years and they tend to cap out at around 80 years, uh, 80 years old. Lizard folk, they reach adulthood by the age of 14, and they tend to reach a maximum age of 60. So not very long at all. Um, for size comparisons, dragonborn tend to be uh, 6 feet and higher. They're very tall, and at least 250 pounds. They are, they're big, chunky boys. Lizard folk, on the other hand, they tend to be a little bit taller and a little bit heavier than humans, but their height is sometimes exaggerated because of their frills and other sort of decorative body parts make them look taller. It's like if a human had a bouffant or a beehive hairdo, they would look much taller than they actually are. Or, sure, that too. Um... Both of them have the same 30-foot walking speed. However, lizard folk also get 30 feet of swimming speed. So they are very, very quick in the water. Both of them are able to speak common and draconic. Sort of checks out. They're both lizardy creatures. And uh, that's where the easy comparisons stop. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. 
deep breath, going on to Dragonborn benefits. Uh, the main benefit of being a Dragonborn across all of them is you gain a breath weapon based on your Draconic Ancestry. It recharges on a short or long rest, and you also gain resistance against the element of your breath weapon. Uh, depending on which ancestry you go with, your breath weapon will either be a straight line or it will be a cone. So keep that in mind when you're choosing which uh, dragon you want to descend from, because that can definitely uh, affect your gameplay and positioning and all that fun stuff. Have we... Nim, did Jaw ever use... He used his breath weapon a lot, didn't he? He was a lightning oh, yeah. drake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he used it, wasn't he used all, it like, every single time, but yeah, like he definitely used it in combat. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's just been like two and a half, three years almost. I just couldn't remember. It's yeah. just weird to see timid little Jaw going... <laughs> I miss my dragon boy. Yeah. I'm not... Uh, I'll wait till after. No? Bring it up. Yeah, go ahead. Speak. Uh, no, it's... I actually, I remember chatting with you about it because uh, I think that was at the time where I was playing Age of Sigmar. And I was trying to figure out how um, to elaborate on a lizard man to make it more like Aztec-themed. Because if you, like, lizard men are all, like, their armor is literally, like, Aztec-themed, like, gold armor. Yeah. But gold instead of feathers. having, like, a breath weapon... Because they tend to have blades on their tails, which changed like a bonus action would end well, up being like a blade attack. Lizard folk don't get breath weapons. That's just Dragonborn. Mm hmm. Okay. So there, I, I think there, there I is think no in, meaning... instead. The lizard folk don't get a breath attack. I think this is prior to his knowledge about lizard folk so he was using dragonborn as a basis for a impromptu lizard folk ish character oh i mean mm -hmm. i would probably lean towards it being like a maybe a bonus unarmed attack kind of thing and depending on the weapon you have attached to your tail it could be bludgeoning or slashing that's probably mm -hmm. how i would handle it mm -hmm. uh so Chromatic Dragonborns. Starting at 5th level, as an action, you can channel your Draconic Energy to protect yourself. For one minute, you become immune to the damage type associated with your Chromatic Ancestry. Once you use the trait, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest. <clears throat> uh, let me actually pull that up real quick, because uh, I didn't put it in my notes, but I feel like it's worth saying what the different ancestries are. So you have a black dragon, which is acid damage. A blue dragon is lightning. Brass is fire. Bronze is lightning. That's weird. Copper is acid. Gold is fire. Green is poison. Red is fire. Silver and white are cold. Uh, let me see. So for chromatic dragons, you are going to be a black blue green red or white dragon and you were technically purple which isn't a dragon i was purple and that was before the uh um crystal dragons were introduced and purple dragons have psionic abilities oh uh, yeah the dragon dragonborns mm -hmm. uh i think i talked it out with zeke because i mm -hmm. really wanted to be purple 
and my mother was blue and my father was red, but I took after my mother. Yeah. So that's how it got lightning. Well, you also had a tail, which pissed off a lot of people when your artwork showed up on uh, Sketch Goblin. It's mm-hmm. like, Dragon Ball don't have tails! And then, like, everyone came to your defense, like, shut up, he's cute. <laughs> I think I still have that oh, somewhere. I I should put, let me let me see if I can find it. And Dragon people pop it should up have tails, real quick. regardless of what people say. Well, it just makes sense. In the earlier the versions vision. of uh, D and D, Dragonborn had tails and wings. They no, they no longer out. do. Yeah. Ooh. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. I don't care what anybody says. Fucking fight me. I don't know if was was the earlier versions dragon uh, with tails was that a half dragon or a dragonborn because those are technically two different things. Uh, good question. Next question. <laughs> I'll look it up because I believe dragonborns became playable in forty. Temp. Temp image. Uh, Can I just drag and drop? Is that an option? Fucking of course not. I got a rookie mail. Whoa, he's a big boy. Oh, look at me. It's me. Yep, that's Jaw. Big old, big old purple bitch. Yes, I was a very interesting dragonborn. I was very timid. I had a uh, firearm because I was a fighter, but a gunslinger. And um, not many people like that I have a tail. I also had a nervous habit of grabbing the tip of my tail and rubbing it profusely because it was a nervous habit from when I was a child. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, moving on from there. This one I'm I'm don't ever really remember seeing before, but the Drakenblood Dragonborns. Uh, they have they're like the only Dragonborn that has dark vision. So that's a Look thing. Bastards. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Which is ironic. To be completely honest, because, like, if you ever look at, like, most, like, lore for dragons or even dragon people, dragons can fucking see in the dark in, like, every fucking universe ever. Uh, Drakenbloods also have long tails. So that's that's another interesting thing. Technically, Ja would be a Drakenborn. Uh, or mm-hmm. Drakenblood, sorry. Uh, they don't have any specific colors attached to them. Uh, I don't know if that's just an oversight. They don't even mention what colors uh, Drakenblood can be. Uh, the only other tidbit that they've got on them is forceful presence. Uh, you can use your understanding of creative diplomacy or intimidation to guide a conversation in your favor. When you make a charisma, either intimidation or persuasion check, you can do so with advantage. Once you use this trait, you can't do so again until you finish a short or long rest. Actually, pretty awesome. So, uh, these ones, from what it's saying, is just 
Draken Bloods possess long tails and a knack for social manipulation. They remember the days when they were once mighty conquerors. That's pretty much all the description I've got for Draken Bloods. That sounds like something Jaw could have been. So Ham, please. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking up um like their origin. So both the Draken Blood and the Ravenite uh come from uh the critical role world of Exandria. And they're much more of a lean and intellectual than the traditional, more bulky uh, dragonborn. Not much of a fighter. Hmm. All right. Uh, so, going on to what Ja would technically be oh. are the gem dragonborns. Uh, these can be amethyst, crystal, emerald, sapphire, or topaz. Their damage types are Force, Radiant, Psychic, Thunder, and Necrotic. Uh, so, with you being purple, you would actually technically have Force as your damage type. The Psychic would be Emerald. Hmm. I'm sure oh, no. with a little bribery of cookies, you could persuade a DM to uh, look the other way. Uh, like, Force is still really good damage. I mean, like, how many things have a, have a resistance to Force? Ghosts. Not many. Jedi. <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> Did he just say Jedi? I couldn't yeah. understand all of it, but it's just like, I'm like, I could have sworn he said Jedi. Uh, so, they, uh, uh. Gem Dragonborns have what's called Psionic Mind. You can send telepathic messages to any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. You don't need to share a language with the creature for it to understand these messages, but it must be able to understand at least one language to comprehend them. So, sorry, you cannot communicate with Hamburger. Oh, I know it's just the worst. I mean, it's still not the still not the worst thing out there. It's mm -mm. terrible. <laughs> um, and I don't believe that there's any hindrances on that. You just get <clears throat> to do it. You can do it. No, but I mean, like, it's not like you get to use this the number of times that you have your proficiency and it re recharges in a short run. Like, no, you can literally just talk to people within 30 feet of you with your brain. Uh, the other cool thing that, uh, about them, they don't have tails, but they have gem flight. Mm -hmm. Starting at fifth level, you can use a bonus action to manifest spectral wings on your body. They only last for a minute, but for the duration, you gain a flying speed equal to your walking speed, and you can hover. It recharges on a long rest. So yeah, you get to be a big crystal dragon that flies around. Screams mm -hmm. at people with your brain. <laughs> just just starts flying around. <laughs> I do fly around and screech. The flight of the ahs! Uh, so, that leaves us with two more. The metallic dragonborn. Uh, you get the metallic breath weapon. Yeah, you get it at 5th level. Uh, metallic Dragonborns are the ones that get a cone breath. It's a 15-foot cone. Uh. Ooh. Uh, and you get to choose between two of your breaths. There's Enervating Breath. Each creature in the cone must succeed a constitution saving throw or become incapacitated until the start of your next turn. Or you have Repulsion Breath. Each creature in the cone must succeed on a strength saving throw or be pushed 20 feet away from you and knocked prone. 
So you've either got stanky breath or damn stanky breath. <laughs> you either don't you know, either don't brush your teeth or you've never brushed your teeth. Uh, the metallic dragons are brass, which has a fire damage, bronze with lightning, copper has acid, gold has fire, and silver has cold. So. If you're going to want a cone breath, you're going to want to be metallic. Everything else is pretty much a straight line type breath weapon. Going on from there, we have the Ravenite Dragonborn. They also have dark vision. And they have what's called uh, Vengeful Assault. When you take damage from a creature in range of a weapon you are wielding, you can use your reaction to make an attack with the weapon against that creature. Once you use this trait, you can't do so again until you finish a short or long rest. I don't think I understood that. Like, what you said made sense, but my brain just didn't connect the dots. So, uh... Let's say that you have a short sword, and you're being attacked sure. by a short sword. Mm -hmm. You can use your reaction to make an attack back. Oh, so you're pre you pretty much get a, uh, what is it? It's like a, a uh, parry repost. You're still going to take the damage, but it's like, hey, I know that weapon. I know how to attack back with it. That's my understanding of that ability. Makes sense. Uh, but the, the key component there is when you take damage. If they don't hit you, you don't get to do it. Well, so, okay. <clears throat> so what if you take damage, but like... You either are resistant to it or damage. I would say if if they roll the dice and it beats your AC, you can use your reaction to attack back, even if the damage was only one. Because you can't fully negate damage. I don't Immunity. believe. Well, hmm. It's technically you're taking damage. It's just. It's not doing any damage. I I would rule, myself as a DM, I would rule that if they get past your AC and they are rolling damage dice, you would get to react. That's my take on it. Zeke, would you agree as another DM? Uh, sorry, one more time. I was looking up some differences on Dragonborn. Give me, no. give me to me one more time. <clears throat> nope, I'm bored. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Now, so the the rules for this says when you take damage from a creature in range of a weapon you are wielding you can use your reaction to make an attack with the weapon against that creature so if you're right if you have a short sword and they have a short sword and they attack you and they beat your ac and they hit you but let's say that you were given uh, a buff that makes you immune to slashing damage in my brain the damage dice were rolled you still get to react, regardless of whether oh. or not you've actually taken damage. Yeah, if, as long as it hits, doesn't matter if the hit is effective, you still get to whap them back. Okay. Well, there's that. Yeah. Uh, now we get to move on to lizard folk. Uh, quick sidebar before we do that, because like right. I said, I was I was I was looking up some stuff because I. I've had this conversation before with people, and there's a lot of uh, misinformation, I think. Uh, so, Go for going it. back to... Hmm? Go for it. 
Uh, going back to like why they don't have tails or why they don't have wings and stuff. Um, there's a couple of different origins that I found in my brief little research. Uh, it usually depends on the setting, but it ranges from anything from uh, using magic on a dragon egg to make it more humanoid. Uh, being to entire civilizations of, of humans who decided to change themselves into dragonborns as a show of piety to uh, the dragon god Bahamut, or various Bahamut. other things. Thank you. Um, but they are generally uh, shown without tails in uh, most editions, because I think they first appeared in 3.5. I could be wrong about that, but they are generally shown without tails and without wings. However, on the other hand, uh, there are these beings called half-dragons, which are when a dragon and any other humanoid uh, get together. Oh, they fucking. And, and, yeah. Um, generally, the half-dragons can have tails. Very few will be found with wings. Um, and they breath weapons are often a little bit more powerful. So that's usually where um, the confusion uh, gets mixed up, um, but uh, as we have already agreed, there's nothing wrong with the Dragonborn having a tail as well. That is just usually where the uh, rules lawyers get their facts from. So I just wanted to, to put that a little aside. Zahn needs to find a dragon and fuck it. Uh, it is possible. Aragon dragon. <laughs> Imagine uh, a half rabbit, half dragon. <laughs> I, I would also argue that at least with a tail. There's no real change in the rules. If you were to give a player wings, that is a big change in their abilities. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there actually is... There's a, one of the subclasses where you get dragon wings, and I think it's Sorcerer. But it could be you, could, you could also, you know, give somebody wings, but, like, they're too small to actually lift themselves up with them. Fatty. True. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, no, I just wanted that, to put that aside fine. in there. What, what name? It's just like all the dragons in Spyro. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they big old chunky boys. They didn't have a lot of pixels to work with, or but those uh, polygons, but those polygons were thick. Uh, so uh, we're, we're going to touch again on Dragonborn here in just a minute. Uh, we're going through the benefits game-wise for the two races, and we will be touching on Dragonborn lore shortly. So Ooh. as far as in-game stats and rules, any other comments? For nope. just Dragonborn? Dragonborn for the moment. We're going to go on to Lizard Folk here. Mm, no. No? Okay. Uh, so, bully. Going on, bully. Going on to lizard folk. Uh, they are also able to. Well, I say also. I'm thinking of the lichen fuckers. Uh, they can replace their unarmed strike with a bite attack that deals piercing damage instead of bludgeoning. They also get uh, a feature called hungry jaws. In battle, you can throw yourself into a vicious feeding frenzy. As a bonus action, you can make a special attack with your bite. If the attack hits, it deals its normal damage, and you gain temporary hit points equal to your constitution modifier, and you can't use the trait again until you finish a short or long rest. So you basically Mike Tyson someone and get temporary hit points. I mean, so you said to your constitution mod, so you can only get up to a maximum of five. Unless you have a magical uh, item saying otherwise, I believe so, yes. So early game, very good. Later game, kind of mediocre to completely and totally useless. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it's true of most racial feats, though. 
yeah. this fucking sort of... man, dude. I know that you know. I don't know. Like, there's some races that have some really good like utility stuff that can really oh. be useful later game. Dude, this is just the first of many for the lizard folk. Like, I'm I'm actually. Whenever I get to be a player next, I am playing a lizard folk. Like I am so excited to play one of these characters. Let me see if I have my lizard folk in D and D Beyond. And Zach, the other thing you have to think about is that let's say that you're a fighter lizard folk. You run up there and you do your two attacks, and then you do your second win four attacks, and you're like, the DM says, "Well, you got your movement and your bonus action. Do you want to do anything?" You go, "Fuck it, I'm gonna bite him." And then, oh, okay. I thought the bite was an action. My no, 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 no. Bon the the no, Hungry no. Jaws is a bonus action. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, you can, never mind then. You replace your unarmed strike with the bite attack that deals piercing instead of bludgeoning. So essentially, you don't get to punch anything anymore. You bite them instead. But oh, you also have Hungry Jaws that lets you do it as a bonus action. Okay, see, I didn't, I apologize, I actually didn't hear the bonus action part. I literally yeah. just heard action. No, 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 if it were an action, that'd be, no one would yeah. ever use it. Yeah, that's why I was like, this is, I mean, great early game, cool, you know, you get to bite somebody for a little bit of damage, and I'm like, after, like, level, what, two, you're never gonna use this again? Yeah. But no, bonus action, that's great, no, that's awesome. Yeah, it's very much like Killer Croc uh, from DC, just like, punch, punch, yeah, bite. Nah, <laughs> yeah. or li Lizardman from Warhammer, dude. Bash you in the face with a giant golden shield the size of a Spartan shield, stab you with a giant polearm, then eat your head. Fuck it. Well, speaking of um, shield and spear, hom nom nom. Uh, <laughs> they have what's called Cunning Artisan. As a part of a short rest, you can harvest bone and hide from a slain beast, construct, dragon, monstrosity, or plant creature of size small or larger to create one of the following items. You can make a shield club, javelin, 1d4 darts, or blowgun needles. Uh, to use this trait, you need a blade such as a dagger or appropriate artisan's tools such as leatherworker's tools. So you kind of get to sort of craft your own gear to an extent. Again, it, probably going to be really useful early game, not so much later on. Well, and it it's so usually again, flavor. What the DM. Yeah, what the DM wants. I mean, if you put I enough mean, time and effort and... Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're, like, level 12 or 15, and you take down a dragon, and he's like, I'm gonna make a spear out of his toenail. It's like, ah, you know, that's a plus one spear right there, buddy boy. Yeah. yeah. Also, having a way to make your own javelins or or other ranged weapons that he uses, not a bad thing. A javelin is a very useful tool to have, be able to make whenever you can. Yep. Uh, this this is a feat that I range. haven't seen on... Uh, many if any other race they can hold their breath for up to 15 minutes at a time Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a really long time considering that normally you can only hold your breath for as many minutes as your constitution modifier that's yeah. that can still be a lot but yeah that's not a lot for everybody well actually hold on that's that actually doesn't sound fully correct one one second Bottled breath, animated breath. These are not the topics I need. Dragon's breath. 
Fire breath. Animated breath. Fuck's sake. I know that there's rules on here. I just, I can't remember. Morning breath. Well, I can't remember if it's like one plus your constitution modifier. So you at the very least can hold your breath for a minute. I know that there's rules there somewhere, but I can't Uh, remember where that is. Let me just look up Constitution 5e and see if that gives us what we're looking for. Ah, okay. According to the player handbook, a character can hold their breath for a number of a number of minutes equal to one plus your Constitution modifier. Mm. Boom. If you have a negative Constitution modifier, you can hold your breath for 30 seconds. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like as soon as their airflow gets cut off. Just Yeah, you drown in a fucking puddle. You trip walking along the trail, face in the water, boom, tapped out, done, dead. I'm out. I can't be the only one who heard this, but so when you made the dying sound, it sounded like something out of an 8-bit pixel game when your character just dies. It did sound (laughs) very similar to that, yes. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I heard that, and I was just like, wait, what? Okay. Uh, As a lizard folk. Which I'm kind of surprised that Dragonborn didn't get something like this, but you gain proficiency with two of the following skills of your choice. Animal handling, nature, perception, stealth, or survival. Those will actually become a little bit more like, oh, I see why, once we get into the lore section. Uh, They also get what's called natural armor. You have tough, scaly skin. When you aren't wearing armor, your AC is 13 plus your dex modifier. You can use your natural armor to determine your AC if the armor you wear would leave you with a lower AC. A shield's benefits apply as normal while you use your natural armor. Uh, I just want to point... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. I just want to point this out. Uh, That gives you better armor than any of uh, the light armors. Uh, mm-hmm. Studded leather is as a twelve plus your dexterity, and if you fully go into dex, like if you're a rogue or something, uh, that's better armor than any of the medium armors. Yeah. So the only thing, as long as you're fully into dex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, no. no I uh... I figured this out because uh, I I tested a, a lizard man uh, barbarian. The barbarian armor modifier actually supersedes the natural armor oh okay yeah and barbarian let's see barbarian armor is uh 10 plus dex plus constitution i believe so correct can in theory be higher uh than the natural armor i mean not not even in theory like I looked at my AC and I was like, that shouldn't be what my AC is. Cause I was looking at the natural armor trait and I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about the barbarian thing. My barbarian was making it 16. If I didn't have the barbarian, it should have been 15. Right. Yeah. So especially like if some, if, if you go into complete uh, ability score improvements and no feats, you could just make your, Constitution and your dexterity five, uh, giving you a, a even twenty, I believe, without any other modifiers. Mm, something along hey. those lines. I finally found my uh, lizard folk. Let me Ooh. send it to you. Okay. Here you go. Oh. Yeah, if you were playing a lizard folk uh, rogue, uh, natural armor comes in very handy. Until you find magic shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love the name. Papa Da. Yeah. 
Makes me think of the uh, baby metal Papa Ya song. I mean, as a level five, you've already got seventeen armor class. That's pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you don't even have any armor equipped. Nope. You don't need He's it. just a monk. Yeah, I also monks get their own armor. Well, I was going to say, so that's 13 plus the three of your decks, which gets you the 16. So the monk is giving you the plus one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, going to move on to the lore of the two uh, races. Going to hit on Dragonborn first because it's actually kind of surprisingly short. One found a dragon and one found an alligator. There you go. I mean, you're not wrong. Not technically wrong. alligator dragon babies. Uh, (laughs) I just read my note on this this first bullet point. Dragonborns lack the wings and tails of their ancestors. And in parentheses, I said, this is dumb. (laughs) 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 They usually stand around six foot six and weigh 300 pounds or more. They have clawed hands with three fingers and a thumb. Their yeah. scales tend to match the blood of the dragon they are descended from. Their clan is more important than life itself. Each dragonborn mm. is beholden to the respect and honor of their clan. To go against this and bring dishonor to their clan can result in expulsion and exile. Wait. Did you Pause to see if anybody's going to make the reference. Nope. Okay. No, no, I did have a question, though. You said that there's color matches the blood of the dragon they're from do dragons actually have colored blood yes dragons have blood if it's blood if there's it's metaphorical dude oh i I wasn't i was this is a legitimate question was actually curious (laughs) my apologies yes the gem dragonborns bleed crystals you guys don't I love just looking over at Zach's avatar and I see Kip pop up in the corner. (laughs) Moving on. uh, Dragonborn values skill and excellence in all endeavors. I probably shouldn't read my note there because it's very racist. They hate to fail and push themselves to the extreme before they give up on something. You should type it to me. I will type it to you. And I'm very curious now too. Put in fools only. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll put it in fools only. Where? Oh no, that's just the voice. I don't know that you guys have a fools only text chat. Yeah, there is. Oh yeah, there. D and D text channels. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness. I mean, I'm not wrong. It's racist, <laughs> but I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only saying this because I had a friend of that particular persuasion in middle school and heaven forbid that they got like an a minus it's like oh no can't see your friends for a week like it was it was that bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh dragonborns are not above asking for help moving on they will seek help from the clan first if a clan needs help they will seek the aid of another clan first before seeking aid from other races Dragonborns are racist. Yeah. 
Yeah. They're prideful, not raised. Nah, potato, potato. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so that that was the short end of this lizard folk dragonborn conversation. Um, lizard folk have a lot more lore, and I put in big bold later layers. Uh, may require more experienced role players. That's not to say that you have to to be a lizard folk. It's just. If you want to do them properly, then I would probably recommend being a little bit more experienced. Why did Pez get dark? I don't know. Why am I so shadow? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Hiding in the darkness. No one can see my moths. I don't know why that's happened. I'm sure it'll fix itself eventually. Ian, when you said hiding in the darkness, all I really wanted to say was, uh, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I don't get it. Have you not seen that video? Oh, God. What part about I don't get it did you not understand? Okay, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, so the reason that I say that lizard folk require uh, a lot more experience is that if you want to play them properly, like, if you just want to be a lizard and you want to run and be goofy and whatnot, great, do it. Do you do you, boo. But if you want to play them as they are meant to be played, they experience more limited emotions, uh, usually revolving around fear, aggression, and pleasure. They do not experience emotions the same as humans, for example. A uh, bit redundant, but for example, humans will see a troll and their limbs will start to shake and feel... Oh, God. My react thing is just really losing its shit right now. Yeah. Ah! Uh, they'll see a troll My and their face. limbs will shake in fear. They'll panic and resort to instinct. The fear takes control of their whole being. If the lizard folk sees a troll, they register it as a threat. They will either run or fight if cornered. They aren't afraid of the troll. They just understand that a troll is a big fearsome creature and they react accordingly and that's the end of it they don't go like oh god no they go yeah i can kill it or eh i'm gonna go that way it's just very kind of basic basic mm -hmm. uh -huh. let's see if i can get this reactive thing to to fix how do you can you reset uh browser sources Yep, click on it, uh, or select it, and then there's a refresh button. Let's see. I don't see refresh. Uh, if you... Just above the fucking... Fuck! Just above the scene list, there should be a button. That oh, oh, hey, yeah, there it is. Oh, well, I turned Pez into a... What am I? I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. One, zero, one, one, zero, zero, one. It hurts. <laughs> the moss. I'm I turned in the into matrix. a cloud player error. <laughs> okay, and I am Spider-Man. Oh, I'm oh, still hold a bunny. On. We're coming back. <laughs> my bunny's, my bunny's still The big. confusion of my face just... Uh, 
<laughs> Fitz. Oh, <laughs> Metal, I couldn't find you for so long. I was like, where the fuck is Kip? I misspelled it. You are with. Whippes. Kind of whippes. He's like, he has spotted and must take a whiff. A toaster. Okay. Uh, while they are refreshing their things, I'm, g- I'm going to move on with the... Uh, with the Lizardfork lore, uh, they also do not become angry like other races. They act aggressively towards those they wish to defeat in a fight and can't be dealt with in any other way. They are aggressive to prey. They are hunting or against those who wish them harm, but they aren't angry in either of the cases. And so this, this Zeke, is what I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. Can lizard folk technically rage? Interesting. Um, I would guess just for the purposes of gameplay, it would be more akin to a bloodlust and instead of a anger. I would think it's just more of like a mild annoyance. But again, lizard folk don't feel those emotions. Right. Like, cause we are well. We already have precedent with their ability of uh, was it frenzied hunger? What is it called? Uh, that was called hungry, hungry jaws. jaws. Yeah, uh, you can throw yourself into a vicious feeding frenzy. So I would say it would be more of a uh, extension and uh, higher state of feeding frenzy would uh, would probably. Going off of uh, how they that. worded it before is that I, I would probably say that you enter a heightened a heightened state of aggression. Yeah. Err. Yeah. But it is it's still just a really interesting like thought process because you you hear rage and rage is an emotion. Right. You are pushed past the brink and you want to just tear into shit, but lizard folk don't feel that. So I, I think my blood break. What? <laughs> Nothing. Don't don't worry about it. It's just thinking park. Oh, and I'm about to break. I was gonna say, don't make me mark this and come back and watch it later just to give you shit like tomorrow. <laughs> oh my god, this is the greatest shit that I now want. Lincoln Park? No. Look in memes in two seconds. Uh I refuse. I'm, I'm currently doing a show right now, thank you. Uh, so lizard folk will defend their worldly pleasures at the cost of their own safety. God. Now, D and D Beyond doesn't really delve too far into this, uh, but I would assume that it kind of means like food, drink, women, homesteads, uh, things of that nature. Uh, I see no yes. reason why not. Were you saying that in regards to me or what? Oh, that is actually pretty fucking awesome. Hello, welcome to Whiskey Wednesdays. Whiskey hey, Becca. Wednesdays. Also, that is, were you saying laters or do, am I not reading that word right? Because I said bye, but you're still here. So I'm just curious. Who, Isa? Alan? A-L-Y-N-N? Isa Lynn. Two words. Oh my goodness, I thought I said that is. Dadgummit. That is a Lynn. That's fine. I made the same mistake when she first started popping in. 
<laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> um, so sco- scooching back uh, into here, uh, lizard folk lack meaningful emotional ties. They do not mourn fallen comrades or rage against their enemies. Again, rage. Which is why I would say that it probably would have to hearken more towards um, uh, heightened aggression, I think is what I used before. They also have no ties to the past. And and this one is... uh, The best way I can think of describing it is kind of like a child's object permanence. So they assess their situations based on their current and future utility or importance. So if a comrade is slain, it's no longer a comrade. It's a potential food source. It's like, it doesn't matter what they were in the past. It's like, well, that sucks. Can I have his toes? I mean, they, they just... <laughs> lizard folk are insanely... I, I say logical. They're insanely logical. They just... They analyze the situation and they, they act on it. There's no, like, oh, my best friend of the world for 20 years just dies. Like, I'm gonna eat his spleen. Save his liver for dessert. Fucker was an alcoholic. I'm getting drunk tonight. <laughs> a, a little bit of a tweak on that, though, is if a lizard folk spends enough time with other humanoids, they can kind of learn over time how to respect the other creature's emotions. They don't reciprocate these emotions, but, you know, you're, you're in a party for years and years and years. You go off and you adventure, and one of your teammates dies. You've been with them long enough that you're like, I really want to eat that, but then they'd get mad at me. And if they get mad at me the next time we fight, they're going to be less effective. Therefore, I'm not going to eat that. But I could. It's sad. But you could. It's tasty. You definitely could. Maybe when they're not looking. Who dug up the grave? Uh. Wolves. <laughs> Why is Steve's arm missing? Why is Steve's arm missing? <laughs> uh. So in that same sort of idea, art and beauty mean nothing to a lizard, uh, to a lizard man. Uh, basically, they only look for utility and survival. Sort of. Uh, fucking hold on. I don't have to be attracted to you. Got it. If they if they bone you, it's because they want to mate and make babies. There's no there's no attraction in any way, shape, or form. Essentially, yeah. You are a strong woman. We shall make babies that will take over the world. <laughs> I mean that well that that's the other funny thing about that is that they only look ahead about a season or two and they prepare for those the uh, like immediate coming seasons. So yeah. it kind of it keeps their uh their like worldly footprint a very steady but also kind of stunted because they they don't really grow and expand. They uh they don't worry about developing like writing or uh really working on any of their skills past hunting and gathering. It's literally just like, well, it's summer, which means it's going to be fall soon, and then it's going to be winter. What are we doing for winter? There's no like, well, if we start building this building now, we'll have a nice place to stay three years from now. It's, no, what are we going to do for winter? Shut the fuck up, Steve. What are we doing for winter? (laughs) 
There's like one guy who's developed enough of a frontal lobe to be like, we should build a house. And everyone's like, shut up, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Ayo. <laughs> uh. Oh yeah, they also view other humanoids as basically like weak little puppies. Uh, mostly because they don't have claws and no teeth on most of them, anyway. Um, but if the creature proves useful to a lizard folk, uh, and that creature is in danger in any way, it may trigger a protective response made even stronger by the apparent weakness of their ally. So, let's say uh, a lizard folk is in the party of Fools and Flagons, Tales of Artron right now, and uh, Pez. Mm. Well, no, you have teeth and claws. You don't count. Uh, no. <laughs> Zahn. Zahn has... Uh, he's small. He's fluffy. He, to the lizard folk, appears weak and defenseless. I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy is, you said appears. <laughs> I, yes, appears. I was again, choice in words. <laughs> lizard folk mentality. I'm trying to get into that headspace. Uh, if good. you get attacked, he's going to be like, must protect the fluffy! And, you know, flying dropkick. Whatever. Even though you could literally obliterate half of everything everywhere of all time. That's Listen, you don't have to you don't have to fucking sugarcoat it here, man. God. <laughs> There's no sugar. <laughs> Only salt. Um I must so, lick. You, <laughs> you must lick. Blah, 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 blah. Gotta move into uh, this is the one a few races that I've uh, looked into before has a table kind of like this, and it's sort of guidelines on how to play the character. Um, sort of to get you into the right mind mindset for them. And there, there are quirks that are available. You can uh, roll like a, a 1d8 to pick them, or you can just choose as many as you want. So I'm just going to kind of go down the list. Uh, you hate waste, and you see no reason not to scavenge fallen enemies. Fingers are tasty and portable. I was expecting some response, but none, so moving on. Uh, um, you sleep best while mostly submerged in water. Money means burble, nothing burble, to you. <laughs> you think there are only two species of humanoid, lizard folk and meat. Accurate. That one has a lot of potential to create interesting conversations. It's like, it's like, why are you racist against this other person? Well, because we're he's a dwarf and I'm a human. You're the same. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, meatbag. <laughs> you both taste like chicken. Uh, this one, I think Zach would do if he was a lizard folk. Uh, you have learned to laugh. You use this talent in response to all emotional situations <laughs> to yes. better fit in with your comrades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Steve's dead. <laughs> the, town, the town of Drybell has been obliterated. <laughs> we just got accused of killing the king. <laughs> if you're guilty, laugh. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, this one, uh, you still don't understand metaphors. That doesn't stop you from using them at every opportunity. You're basically Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Do a metaphor too! <laughs> Blowjobs! <laughs> uh, this one is very Pez, I think. You enjoy eating your food while it's still wriggling. Ah, Wait, you skipped one. I did not. 
Yeah, you skipped number seven. Well, I obviously didn't put it on my list for some reason. Uh, it says, you appreciate the soft humanoids who realize they need chain mail and swords to match the gifts you are born with. Oh, yeah. Eh. I don't really see that as a quirk. That's just condescending. Yeah. Which is a quirk. I mean, yeah, okay, it's a quirk, but as far as these other ones, that one's, like, that one's one's bland. Yeah, Yeah. comparatively, yes. That's, like, if you don't want to play a complete, like, cannibal prick, then, yeah, do that one so you can be a lizard folk and fucking do nothing. Fuck you. (laughs) I mean, okay, so with that one, it... A lot of that seems to me like it's internal, like it's an internal dialogue you have with yourself. It's like, man, I like that you're wearing armor. At least you recognize that you're weaker than me. Versus all the other ones, it's like, why is he sleeping in a puddle? He, why, why are there fingers in this dude's bag? Like, those are so much more compelling than, aw, you guys realize that you need armor because you suck. That's... Eh. I don't know. I don't know. You just made that sound very appealing to me. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it, it has a appeal to it, but in in my own humble personal opinion, it just wasn't as interesting as the other one, so I just omitted it. Steve, why do you have fingers in your bag? Sometimes I get the munchies. <laughs> Zeke, and you, you know what he's got to pay. What? It's finger food. It's finger food. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Why do you have a bunch of these fingers in your bag? Because you know, Gwendy's got to pay. The payment? It's fingers. <laughs> so, that reaches the end of my uh, Dragonborn versus Lizardfolk. In your own personal opinions, if you guys had to pick between the two of them, which do you think that you would give a shot? Lizardman or Dragonborn? Mm-hmm. Coming from someone who has played Dragonborn a lot, it was the race, it was one of the first races I played, and uh, I only played it for, like, three different unfinished campaigns. I would definitely go for Lizard Folk, because I think they just have a lot more to work with. Both Mm -hmm. utility and in uh, roleplay. I would have a hard time choosing, because realistically, Dragonborn are definitely very cool, and I like the flavor behind them. But realistically, I'd probably end up going with Lizardmen because I could swing it to be more Lizardmen from, like, Warhammer with, like, special, like, like a theme around them that I would kind of mesh with. Not to mention laughing in every situation would be fucking hysterical. But... Uh, I'd probably do Lizardmen next. I'd crap. I, was, I, I just had a... I just had a, a thought reference, and I, I can't remember what it was now. It's some cartoon or something where there's like two or three of them sitting on a couch and they're just leaned like way the fuck back and someone says something and they just go. <laughs> Maybe it was Coneheads. That or it sounds mm. almost Futurama. Mm. It sounds. I, it sounds Futurama, but in in my recollection, it was a lot more crude than Futurama. Oh no! Like, are you sure it wasn't the whole? He laughs and like, oh wait, you were serious. Let me laugh harder. No, no, it wasn't. That wasn't it wasn't that. Okay. It was like they looked really concerned and unsure. So their but their facial features didn't change when they just like dropped their jaw and started laughing. I don't know. I think I'll, it's Coneheads. Yeah, that could be Coneheads very yeah. easily. I'm sure I'll think of it at like three o'clock this morning and he I'll come post from it in Discord. 
Speaking of, if you haven't uh, joined the Discord yet, you should. Link is join in the it. chat right now. Uh, you're also more than welcome to join us and talk with us about these uh, different topics. And if you have a comment, you can put them in the chat. You can pop in and scream at us and then dip. Uh, whatever you want to do. But uh, yeah, I, I think personally I would probably... I definitely want to do a Lizardfolk as my next character if I'm ever a player again. Um, Dragonborn are nice, but... Just in comparison, they seem almost bland, almost boring. Like, yeah, I'm just I I was honestly I had to go back and look because I just saw how much fucking lore the lizard folk had, and I was like, I must have like skipped past a paragraph or two for Drek. No, at the very least, D and D Beyond just does not have a lot of lore for Dragonborn. Yeah, um, very shocking. It, it, it's really funny because I think uh, going back to the tried and true uh, Matthew Mercer discussion, I think he actually agrees with you on that because his lore uh, for Dragonborn, which is where the Ravenite and uh, the Draco, was it Draco Blood? Dragon Blood, yeah. Dragon Blood. Uh, he creates his own lore in the world of Exandria where uh, they used to be a single race. And then the ones with the tails, the Draco blood, decided to enslave the Ravenites uh, and use them as uh, uh, Hold up, hold up, hold up. Is this, is this campaign one? Yeah, but it's not too, it's not really spoilerly. It's not going to spoil anything. Okay, well, I've already gotten past the um, finding what's-his-face in the ice. So I think okay. I've already gotten past what you're talking about, technically. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid spoiler, spoiler stuff. Um, but yeah, so he he creates his own thing where they were one race. They they split up when one kind of enslaved the other, uh, just to give it a little bit more flavor, a little bit more background, uh, and kind of spice it up. I think. Because yeah, the the uh, Dragonborn doesn't have a whole lot. I mean, I think I think their lore got a lot more detailed in 3.5 and 4e um right but, but like none yeah. of that managed to come over to 5e it really didn't um they don't really focus a lot on dragonborn in 5e to be honest no mm -mm. well they've also been adding a lot of like to be fair they haven't been adding a lot of races as well as like changes to stuff so the fact that they're not focusing on one of the older races isn't that surprising well i mean Fair. i see what you're saying but if you go and look at like any of the other bog standard races they've got a decent amount of lore attached to them well again playing through that way we're looking at that way like dwarves humans like stuff like that those races have lore from an excessive amount of sources that you can pull and use as resources where a dragonborn while existing in fantasy I mean, I'll, I guarantee you compare how much human and dwarf and gnome lore you have to Dragonborn in all universes, and the amount drastically outnumbers one or one drastically outnumbers the other. I see your point, but it's stupid because this is I'm Wizards of the Coast we're talking it. about. Yeah, I'm and not I, arguing in that situation. Yeah, and in, just to throw my own opinion on that subject, you would almost think it would uh, prompt them to write more. Yeah. Just to, yeah. Just to get weird. that foot in the door of being like, oh, there's not a lot out here. Let's mm. make there be some out here. I, I don't know. It just, 
looking at the other ones that I've, I've looked at so far, it's it's so heavily disproportionate. It's shocking. Icky. It's yeah. it's it would be it would they would have to do it in a way for them to make money. Fair. I'm going to say that now. If it's not going to be. Like, I guess they yeah. are a company. If it is not out there to make a profit, they're going to have to either, you know, be out of stuff that they're currently working on to make money or be like, hey, we'll, we'll re-release this book that has to do with Dragonborns. It gives them a bunch or Dragonborn and Lizardmen and give them a bunch more rules or whatever. But I, I, uh, would, there be, I guess. would it be cool if there was more? But like, that's just unfortunate. That's the way that. But you know. uh, here, here's the thing, though. Like you look at. The, the kobold lore that we went over on the first Whiskey Wednesdays, they touched on more lore with the Dragonborn than the Dragonborn lore did. Oh, hey. Dragonborn lore. I, I Yeah. Right, but no one could copy pasta that into there? I, it it might just, also, it's weird. Yeah, to kind of... Uh... To, uh, to kind of see it from where Zach's coming from, they might also be expecting people to just take what's already written in the 3.5 and 4e books. It's like, oh, it's already written down somewhere. We don't need to rehash it again. I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but then why not copy pasta? Sure. Like, if the lore's fine, why not just copy and paste that into the little lore section of the Dragonborn in 5th edition? I I Kayla, well, which would you choose, Dragonborn or Lizard Folk? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You're late. I'm not late. I was working. Ooh. Well, Kayla, since you're finally here, uh, I have in big, bold letters on my sheet for Kayla to discuss on a scale of one to gay, how many tieflings <laughs> do you play? <laughs> Wait, what? How many tiefling characters do you have? Um. Beyond. <laughs> Beyond. I have three, and one who nobody likes. One, I have... two, three, three. I'm hearing. I'm hearing pretty gay. I actually don't have any. I think I, I have, have three as well. You. I have two kobolds. <laughs> is that and it? Centaur. Oh. <laughs> and a centaur. Is that it? <laughs> and a fairy. I have... Technically, I have 17, but a few of these are character sheets for um, NPCs in Tales of Archeron, so I don't really count them. Like, I have a sheet for the Duke, I have one for the Mushroom Tender, I've got one for Marshall Marshall Young, I have one for Lapis Longshot. So, yeah. Excuse me. Oh, uh, real quick, to go back to uh, our discussion on why there wasn't more lore on Dragonborn, uh, Becca threw in her two cents and she said, because there was a lot of debate in what they wanted to include and they never came to a consensus, which I assume uh, has to go back to there was a lot of different origins for them and a lot of different versions, so they didn't really know what one they wanted to pick. Well, what the fuck are we paying them for? <laughs> Fuckers. You're paying people? You guys are getting paid? I'm getting paid? <laughs> I'm always paid. In girly giggles. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so 
Kayla, what if, from a scale to one to gay, what it, what is uh, truly gay to have how many tieflings? You you know. You know. It's like it's like an inside journey. <laughs> like you gotta come to terms a, with yourself. It's a spiritual journey. It's a spiritual journey, yeah. All right. <laughs> it's the friends we've made along the way. Uh, which is sad because I'm gay, but no tiefling. Aw. Well, you can fix that. D&D Beyond. Yep. D&D Beyond. <clears throat> All right, well, I, love been, how, uh... I love how she admits to being gay, but she's settled for the sad white boy. I mean, well, don't we all sad. settle for sad white boys? <laughs> Damn. What about me? I, you I was are a sad white boy. I was about to uh, really throw myself under the bus there. <laughs> yeah, I was was wondering. I already beat you to it. Well, no, I was gonna say, is is that why you got rid of me? Because I wasn't a sad white boy. <laughs> I mean, you are a sad white boy. I'm not sad. I'm happy. Look at me. I'm slapping the table. Happy as fuck. And silence. All right, moving on. <laughs> I I just want to I just want to point out Becca barged into my room and said I interpreted what she said wrong. So here she is now to apparently expound upon what she actually meant. Becca, you are now toast. Continue. Bring it. Go ahead. Thank you, Brooklyn, for punishing her. So, just let you know for the Dragonborn thing, they had so much um, non-consensus because they were taking things that fans wanted them to put in, and they thought the fans had a lot of really great ideas, but at the same time. Like, the people who were writing it, it was like a tear between whether they loved it or they hated the different things. And they didn't want to upset the fans, so they just said, fuck it, we'll just let them do whatever they want. We'll put as minimum as we can in here, because none of the people who were actually on the team for the Dragonborns could agree whether to agree with the fans or to agree with, like, what was already on the books in the previous editions. So they didn't want to upset anybody, and they just said, here you go. There you go. I'm done. No, there you that, go. that makes sense. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Thank you, Becca. I love you. Oh. Mm. She has spoken. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making a mart on the stream because your little Pez thing bounced with the uh, Jar Jar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we've, uh, we've been going for almost two hours. Uh, how are we feeling? Do yeah, we, that, do we want to... That doesn't matter. How, how's your drink? Oh, I still got a little bit left. I was just curious if you guys wanted to deep dive into spells, or is there another topic that you... Because I've got a lot to talk about with spells. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I'm good to go. How do you spell spells? How do you spell God. FBI? CPR. Wrong. Bonk. You spell bonk. FBI bonk. PH. <laughs> I, I, I. Pez bonk. Uh, oh. Oh. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> he lost third, his bonk. Third mistake. time's the charm. Uh, okay, uh, so this is some. Um, I went through the whole player handbook and basically looked at the individual kind of nitpicky rules that have to do with casting spells. Uh, some things that are sometimes missed, forgotten, or just 
not easily understood. So to start us off, uh, casting an armor. Because of the mental focus and precise gestures required for spell casting, you must be proficient with the armor you are wearing to cast a spell. You are otherwise too distracted and physically hampered by your armor for spell casting. Makes sense. Which is why a lot of the time wizards and sorcerers don't wear armor because you want to dump all of your stats into intelligence, wisdom, charisma if you're a warlock. Generally doesn't leave you room for strength, which is where some of the uh, better armors require you to have at least, what, a 13, I think? Uh, I think that goes up to like 15. In some cases. Yeah, I think the lowest tier of heavy armor requires a 13 strength, but also the uh, the medium and light armors don't have a strength requirement, I think. Correct, but you still need to be proficient in them, and wizards and sorcerers are yeah. not. Because yeah. apparently they never learn how to wear clothes. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Um, so this one, this next one seems to trip up... Uh, people quite often is spells that can be cast as a bonus action a spell cast with a bonus action is especially swift you must use a bonus action on your turn to cast the spell provided that you haven't already taken a bonus action this turn you cannot cast another spell during the same turn except for a cantrip with a casting time of one action so basically, the idea behind cantrips, and I think I may touch on this a little bit later on uh, in one of my bullet points, is cantrips are so basic bitch learning for spellcasters, it's all muscle reflex. Like, granted, I'm, I'm using this uh, kind of analogy as if you're actually a good driver, but when you use your turn signal, like you want to get over to the lane beside you, you flick your turn signal... You don't even think about it. You just do it. It's the same thing with cantrips. You don't think about taking each individual each individual step up a flight of stairs. You just do it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. You guys are uh, great conversationalists oh. tonight. I mean, You're we're welcome. just spitting facts right now. Yep. Uh... Uh, reactions, we know about reactions, longer casting times, we know that. Uh, with longer casting times, uh, such as rituals or even something that takes like a couple hours or a day or whatever, if your concentration is broken, the spell fails, You but you don't expend a spell slot. If you want to try casting the spell again, you must start over. Yes, Becca, I know you're a woman driver, there is a turn signal. Shots fired. You can oh, hit Zeke uh, in my stand. Looking. Oh. oh. Wait. Who did we lose? Uh, oh, metal. Oh yeah. We oh, lost metal. metal. Uh, Unfortunate. Also, oh. Ian, you're you're gonna want to. Oh my god. You're gonna want to. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. What? Can I? I I'm gonna steal. Can you? <laughs> Isa, can you make one of where he's plapping too so I can make that my new animated? <laughs> That's amazing. I love that so fucking much. <laughs> I, I must add all the emojis. There's a toot toot. There's a, there's a stein. Uh, okay. <laughs> Woo! 
Um, so uh, another few things that uh, I've at least had some people. Yeah, I know you will, Becca. It's fine. Uh, is uh, components for spells. You see the little yeah. letters on the side, the V, the S, the M. Uh, the V is for verbal. You, For verbal, you have to be able to speak. If you are... If you are gagged or whatever, and your spell requires verbal... I love that her bird is the one that's doing that noise. Um... <laughs> If you are if you were gagged or you're under the effects of a silence spell, you cannot cast a spell that has a V on it because it is verbal. Uh, somatic is probably the most complicated because it's not a word a lot of people are familiar with. Somatic means hand gestures. There are some spells that only require a word, like healing word. You don't need to wiggle your fingers or any material cost. You literally just say like, "Quit being a bitch. Get back in the fight." And they go, Bicky, Bicky, got it. And they go and they fight. But with somatic, you have to be able to move your hands. So if you are handcuffed, if you don't have hands, uh, you cannot cast those spells. And I, I love the actual like wording for it is, spellcasting gestures might include a forceful gesticulation or an intricate set of gestures. Uh, however, it does say uh, if it requires a somatic component, the caster must have free use of at least one hand. So if you're missing an arm, you're still technically good. I can make little teeny, little teeny hand gestures with one hand. With, with one finger, even. Um... It's the, the middle other, finger. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. The The other letter, M, is for material. That's material pretty... Material girl! Yes. Gotta have What's Gucci bags, I'm... Gucci boots, Gucci belt. Oh. Gucci. Uh, Gucci. Uh, generally, uh, you would have a component pouch for spellcasting or a spellcasting focus in the case of Venera and Zahn as a uh, cleric most of their spells can be cast just like holding on to their holy symbol for their deity. You still do require some other material components for like uh, Revivify. You need a diamond worth a certain amount. Um, Revivify. And depending on your DM, some of the, some DMs can be very, very anal about uh, at the very least role playing that you're going out and getting material components I I generally only really start worrying about material components and like second level, third level, and higher. And even then, some of the second level spells, it's like, oh, you require down feathers. Okay, you guys stay in an inn every single fucking night. You just steal some from a pillow. Move on. Or like cantrip and first level spells. Fuck it. I, you've it's. I always just sort of assume that you've got enough in your bag to last you a lifetime. Because it's like a, a spool of string, a feather, dirt. Feather. Feather. Yeah, I, I think there's like a material component. It's like literally just like a handful of sand. You're in a fucking desert. Bat poop. <laughs> yeah, bat guano. 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 But yeah, when you get into the higher tier of spellcasting, uh, especially if it says a 
a gold cost required. Like, if it mm -hmm. says that you need, like, 10 gold worth of sand, then I would probably be like, you need to go buy 10 gold worth of sand. Or collect 10 gold worth of sand. Even though sand's everywhere, that that's a little bit more specific than just a, a spool of string or a stick. Two potatoes and a stick. Uh, so yeah, any, Gum. any questions about those that you guys have so far? Uh, no. Mm -mm. All right. We are still spitting facts. I am out of whiskey. No. Um, Top yourself this off one, again, bitch. this is one that's always really tripped me up. And I think it's just because I've never played a, um, like a full fledged spellcaster, but it's the schools of magic. Some of them, uh, yes. yeah. Some of them are pretty self-explanatory or just sort of uh, easily understood, but some of them not so much. So I'm just I'm just gonna go down the list alphabetically. We've got uh, abjuration. They are spells that are protective in nature, uh, though some of them have aggressive uses. They create magical barriers. They negate harmful effects. Harm trespassers. My numbs tongue from the drinking. Uh, or they banish creatures to other planes of existence. So, if you follow our D&D campaign, when Zahn banished um, Colt's crony, he was using an abjuration spell. Or when Zeke, when you use your blade ward, I believe that's mm -hmm. abjuration. It is. Uh, as a... Um... Eldritch Knight, my specialties are abjuration and evocation because that's attack and defense. Well, tap, 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 alphabetically, we'll get to evocation. Don't jump ahead of me. Sorry. You, 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 you fucking learn your place, bitch. Right. Ab abjuration is one of my specialties. There you go. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Next up, we, <laughs> Sorry. Next up, we have conjuration. Uh, those involve the transportation of objects and creatures from one location to another. Uh, some spells summon creatures or objects to the caster's side, whereas others allow the caster to teleport to another location. Some conjurations create objects or effects out of nothing. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm waiting for D&D Beyond to load up. So, uh, for example, Mage Hand is uh, conjuration, produce flame, entangle. I think... Entangle's a druid spell. Isn't that the one that um, Kelpie used to use a lot? Mm -mm. Um, no? It is It is a druid spell, though. Entangle. Uh, a What's few other I'm classes get it, though. Finding Roots? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, scooching on from then, uh, Divination. These spells reveal information, uh, whether in the form of secrets long forgotten, glimpses of the future locations of hidden things, the truth behind illusions, or visions of distant people or places. It's a lot of um, scrying. Uh, let me pull up divination shit here real quick. Game rules, divination. I'm just going to open up all these pages so I'm not stalling for time later on. Uh, so for divination, you've got guidance, which lets... Um, People take an extra D4 to their um, ability check of their choice. You've got Comprehend Languages. You've got Tongues, which I think, Zahn, you've used a few times when you were, like, 
eavesdropping on the uh, tabaxi in Alwarf. Trying to use that one. You've also got yes. Commune, which I don't think any... Well, no one has that yet, because you're not, not fifth level. But, um, yeah, there's also some later on ones. Legend Lore is pretty good. Uh, Wait, what, what level are we? You are you're eight. So we should have that, right? Fifth level spells? Uh, uh, depends on your class. No. Oh, oh, no. oh, fifth level spell. Oh. Yeah, a fifth yeah you level just said fifth like level. Five. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I... My bad for assuming that was understood. <laughs> um, enchantment spells, moving right along. Uh, they affect the minds of others, influencing or controlling their behavior. We've seen quite a few instances of this with hold person. Uh, command. And, and, and command. <laughs> that was the other one. Um, a lot of charming, a lot of just making mm. people your bitch, making them do whatever you want them to do. Uh, what's some other good ones here? Yeah, Charm Person, Hex, Hideous Laughter, Sleep. There's a bunch of stuff you can do here. Friends. Hmm? Friends. Friends, I yeah. believe. You don't have any. Wow. <laughs> uh, we have Evocation next. These spells manipulate magical energy to produce a desired effect. Some call up blasts of fire or lightning. Others channel positive energy to heal wounds. We s at least saw this once. Actually, we've seen this quite a few times with Zahn's light spell. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also seen this type of magic used with uh, Fireball. Kif used fireball. that quite a bit during the Mushroom Tender fight. Um, Zahn also uses Shatter. Very often, that's uh, that's evocation, and even Venera used evocation when she cast daylight versus the yeah. mushroom tender. Kasumi and Brick often use chromatic orb. That too, first level spell. Also, you guys blind me whenever you do daylight. It hurts. <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm just waiting for Kasumi to realize that there's another element other than acid that chromatic orb can use. Did <laughs> <laughs> she use fire? Yeah, like once. <laughs> and then she immediately I, I went do, back to using acid. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, though. I did find it very funny that acid was the first damage used on the mushroom tender when mushrooms could be acidic. I'm like, is this actually going to work? Like, the first thought of my head is like, hmm. No, it, she was completely immune to acid damage. <laughs> I kind of felt uh, bad, but you got to learn. Yeah, I do find it interesting that evocation, which is... Uh, traditionally in most forms of fantasy like your uh, elemental damage is also uh, the classification that healing spells fall under in 5e yeah i uh, i i think in past editions it healing spells actually fell under necromancy I mean, it makes sense. Wait, what? No, it doesn't. Well, yeah, you're I mean, in a weird sort of way, you're kind of reviving damaged cells so you're kind of taking dead cells and being like nah go back i it, from all of the type of healing and everything that existed in all of the other universes i the way that i view healing is so far from necromancy that i just, i would never be able to make that connection personally i would categorize healing spells closer to divination because it's usually considered with like a good deity 
or you could uh you might be putting it in abjuration maybe yeah yeah uh i can see that yeah I'm... so i just out of curiosity i looked back at one of the uh older D's. this one's specifically 3.5 uh, almost all healing spells fall under either necromancy or conjuration. Conjuration? Conjuration, I can see. How? Yeah, weirdly. How how can you I say don't... conjuration is literally about summoning shit? It's just what it says. Depends I, on how the I healing spell works. If it's if it's like, how are you healing them? Like a lot of games, healing is like. You use holy or light well, to heal people, so you're summoning light to... Okay, so I'm, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm going to skip over illusion for the moment since we're talking about necromancy being a healing thing so much. The, the first line of the description is what makes healing magic make sense for necromancy. Necromancy spells manipulate the energies of life and death. And if you think about it, yeah. necromancers are actually like the best healers ever. They take a dead thing and they make it stand up. That is stretching <laughs> the definition of healing, even to a level in which I don't think Zahn could try to convince people. Oh, I yeah. believe Zahn could convince someone that necromancers. Oh, I'm not. Healing. I'm not saying that I couldn't. Oh, well, I think <laughs> even. Um... One of the main cleric spells that you get early on for helping people not die, uh, Spare the Dying. I Spare think that dying. technically falls under uh, necromancy. Uh, I believe you're right. Let me... Yeah, it's necromancy. Spare the Dying is necromancy. I believe yeah. you guys are stupid. <laughs> hey, look, man. Rules are rules. Uh, are I'm just going to continue broken. on with necromancy since we're touching on it already. Um so such spells of the necromantic origin can grant an extra reserve of life force. They can drain the life energy from another creature, create the undead, or even bring the uh, oh the dead back to life. Mm -hmm. Creating the undead through the use of necromancy spells such as animate dead is not a good act, and only evil casters use such spells frequently. Eh, debatable. Uh, frequently is the word. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Spare the Dying is a good spell. Um, Inflict Wounds is not a good spell. <laughs> but it is a strong fucking spell. Yeah. Like, um, uh, what is the one that I have as Stormstrike? Necromantic Touch? What? Or, no, that's, been, that's probably Inflict Wounds. What? No, 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 no. It Hold might... on. You said Shatter? No, Stormstrike. Stormstrike is a nec is a spell that deals like necrotic damage that I repurpose to Lightning. Oh, that might be Blight. No, it's not Blight. Hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It might be, I think it's actually Inflict Wounds. I think you're right. There's Zon. Spells. What did you name it? Stormstrike? Yeah, it's Stormstrike. Uh, yeah, 3d10 damage. That's, that's Inflict Wounds. Yeah. And that is, like... There's a fuckload of damage. Yeah. I mean... Like... It, that spell is generally not taken on someone that is able to get up close and personal like you are. So that's what that's why it is so strong because you are taking a huge fucking risk as a yeah. historically squishy character of getting into something's face and going boop and hoping that you hit and you didn't just run across the battlefield up to this giant monster and fail. 
you are great for it because you have amazing armor with the, the the heavy armor that you've got and all of your other defensive abilities. So you're a little bit more inclined to being able to use that than someone else. And the fact that it's not like a charisma saving throw or like a wisdom saving throw, the fact that you can just roll against an armor value instead of the normal, well, like... Again, the idea there... With saving throws and all, it's usually having something to do with a ranged attack. Granted, Guiding Bolt's a, you know, one that's uh, you have to hit past their armor and all. But if you're using, like, uh, Ray of Frost or whatever, it takes you a second to cast that spell, and they see it, and they have a chance to dodge, or at least mitigate some of the damage. With a touch, you literally... The idea behind it is you are literally taking your pointer finger, or whatever finger you want to do, I don't fucking care... And you're trying to the middle finger (laughs) and you're trying to find a gap in the armor. You're trying to touch their face or, you know, some weak point where your magic can actually hit them. And all of this is happening in six seconds as you're sprinting up to them and they're parrying other blows and all. And they're, you know, smacking your hand out of the way. That's why it's a attack versus a save from them. Yeah, I'm just saying it's nice to like actually have. A spell like that that's very powerful that's not like a decent to have the power in your hands and not reliant on the enemy to roll against it yeah uh so we're gonna go backwards in the alphabet and touch on illusion spells real quick this one should be very self-explanatory spells yeah spells uh deceive the senses of or minds of others They cause people to see things that are not there, to miss things that are there. They hear phantom noises or begin to remember things that never happened. Uh, There's a lot of fucking utility in this. Uh, As you were saying, Kasumi tried to use Major Illusion to to confuse the Mushroom Tender. I just, for whatever fucking reason, rolled really high on that, but nothing else. Um, This also gets you uh, Invisibility... Uh, mirror image. I believe you used that on your warlock in the other campaign we were playing. Yes, it was very fucking good. Uh, Phantasmal force is a really good one. Fear, silence, hypnotic pattern. I think Kasumi has hypnotic pattern. I think. She's uh, not, she's not uh, here you're correct. I believe you're correct. Yeah. I think she's used it like once or twice. Uh, another great illusion spell, if I remember correctly, is uh, like false terrain or something. Uh, which is really good for getting people yeah. to walk into traps. Yeah, <laughs> let me... Da, 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 da. I think I've seen someone uh, use it to where they they flew over a ravine and they had an army following them and before like, or they, or they had someone following them and before they rounded the corner to see, they made uh, like a false terrain over the ravine. So they all just fell in. I don't think it's called false terrain or at the very least, it's not called false terrain anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's the name for it either. Um, illusionary terrain or something. Illusory terrain. Uh, let me see. There's illusory script. Because I, I know it's there, because I know I've seen it used. Or maybe they were just using Major Image in, in some way or form. You may be thinking of, like, 3.5 or 4. I, I know the spell you're talking about. They even did it in Season 1, A Critical Role. But, um... Oh, Hallucinatory Terrain. There it is. Yeah. 
So many words that mean the same thing. Yeah, that <laughs> it can cover 300 feet. It's a 150-foot yeah, cube. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's massive. But it's literally like you, you guys are in the middle of a dungeon. You find a little alcove, and you're like, you are bloody. You are dragging brick by the foot. And Kasumi says, okay, error, we're taking a error, timeout error. here. And she casts hallucinatory terrain. I don't think she's actually able to cast this, but for the sake of the argument, she casts hallucinatory terrain, and that little alcove you found is now a flat, well, I say a flat wall, but it's a straight wall. That alcove is no longer there. If someone stumbles upon it or goes to investigate it, then um, they have a chance of disproving it. Uh, let's see. So the tactile characteristics of the train are unchanged. So creatures entering the area are likely to see through the illusion. Uh, the difference isn't obvious by touch. A creature carefully examining the illusion can attempt an intelligence check against your spell to disbelieve it. A creature who discerns the illusion for what it is sees it as a vague image superimposed on the terrain. Oh, the material yeah. components are a twig, a stone, and a bit of green plant. It's a fourth level, but unfortunately we don't have anyone in our current group who can cast it because it's a Bard, Druid, Warlock, Wizard spell. Yep. And fortunate. I guess at very at a very, very late level I could take it, but that would be n not useful all the time for what I use it for. Yeah, you would have to be like, okay, we're going to go do this and we're probably going to need that brick. Take the spell. Roger. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, the last school of spells is transmutation. These spells change the properties of a creature, object, or environment. They might turn an enemy into a harmless creature, polymorph. Or, if you're in Critical Role Season 2, you turn them into a giant snapping turtle and they just bite you anyway. <laughs> uh, you can bolster the strength of an ally, make an object move at the caster's command, or enhance a creature's innate healing abilities to rapidly recover from injury. Um, these ones are usually pretty straightforward. You know, control flames, prestidigitation. Um, message is an interesting one on there. Uh, I mean, I guess it message is. Message is a transmutation spell? It is. I mean, if you oh. technically think about it, you were transmuting your brain. Ah, it's plapping! Interesting. Um... Shape water is one. Tomaturgy is transmutation. I think... Tomaturgy? 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 I think transmutation has the most amount of cantrips. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, just from what I've looked at before, I've actually had to scroll down to reach the end of cantrips before I start seeing first level spells. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Long Strider's one. Bark Skin. Ultra Self. Dark Vision. Heat Metal. Kinetic Jaunt. Levitate. Heat Metal, can I just say, is one of my favorite druid spells that you get early on because it is very versatile yeah it's very versatile and if you use it correctly very annoying for anyone who has to deal with it uh so zach I'm... heat metal choose a manufactured metal object such as a metal weapon or a suit of heavy or medium metal armor that you can see within range it's a 60 foot range you cause the object to glow red hot any creature in physical contact with the object takes 2d8 fire damage when you cast the spell. 
Until the spell ends, you can use a bonus action on each of your subsequent turns to continue to cause this damage. If a creature is holding or wearing the object and takes the damage from it, the creature must succeed on a constitution saving throw or drop the object if it can. If it doesn't drop the object, it has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks until the start of your next turn. So you could literally look at an enemy and say, hey, his armor is now red hot. Unless he takes off his armor, which lowers his AC, he's got disadvantage on all his attacks because it is burning his nips. Yeah. Also, if he's wearing armor, uh, according to the rules, it takes one minute, which is ten rounds of combat, uh, to take off your armor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because most, most spells that deal with uh, transmutation from one thing into another will have the stipulation it cannot be uh, carried or, or worn. Like, a lot of spells have that stipulation, transmutation or otherwise. Heat metal does not have that stipulation, which makes it very useful. Yeah, uh, for example, catapult. You can make an object weighing one to five pounds within range that isn't being worn or carried, and you just chuck it. Mm -hmm. And it actually deals some decent damage. Yeah, catapult's a good spell. Yeah. If you can dodge a wrench. Uh, another spell from uh, Campaign 2 of Critical Role uh, is... Uh, earthen hand i believe earthen grasp makes a big stone hand come out come out of the ground and just smack you yeah uh it slapped was that did they also um they what what's the stone it. pillar one is stone that pillar. oh yes i remember which one you're talking about uh not not stone shape because keyleth used that as earth? well no i don't it think it's be... erupting earth Erupting Earth just basically makes the ground explode. The The spell I'm thinking of is you make a bunch of pillars come out of the ground. Uh, yes. Or out of the um, wall. I don't know if that's... That may not be transmutation. Hold on. Oh, bones of the Earth. Is that what it's called? That is what it's called, sir. Hmm. Oh, the six pillars of stone to burst from places on the ground that you see within range. Well, there you go. Okay. Uh, that covers the schools of magic. I'm going to touch a little uh, a little bit on durations because some of these, uh, especially concentration, can be a little bit confusing to people. And it's something that I fail to remember all the fucking time when either taking damage or dealing damage to a player that... Um, is concentrating. So, uh, for concentration spells, if a spell must be maintained with concentration, it says so in it, you can end the concentration at any time, no action required. I do believe it needs to be on your turn, though. I don't think you could just be in the middle of Pez's turn and Veneer goes, I want to cancel my concentration. Doesn't work like that. Why um, not? Because I'm the DM and I say so. Oh. Normal activities such as moving and attacking does not interfere with concentration. The following factors can break concentration. Casting another spell that requires concentration. Taking damage. Or obviously being incapacitated or killed. So, for example, if uh, Venera is 
focusing on Sanctuary, for example, she can still cast uh, Sacred Flame or Spiritual Weapon because none of those are concentration spells. Uh, there could also be environmental issues that would uh, prompt me, the DM, to say, make a con concentration check. You could be on a ship that's being tossed around. You could trip and fall. Uh, you could be teleported somewhere else. Even if it's just a few feet away, the disorientation could be enough to um, make you lose concentration. And the Someone way Someone could show you their butt. <laughs> Yes, or chesticles. Um, <laughs> the We haven't really run into it all that often, but the way that you pass a concentration check is you have to, dis you have to succeed on a DC-10 constitution saving throw to maintain your concentration. Uh, there's actually a little bit more to that. Let me, let me find my other document. Uh... For what I remember, for just if you're being damaged and you have to make your constitution check, if the damage is, what is it, if it's below 10? Uh, whenever you take damage while you are concentrating on a spell, you must make a constitution saving throw to maintain your concentration. Concentration, concentration. The DC equals 10 or half the damage you take, whichever number is higher. So if you take... 30 damage the dc is going to be 15 if you take uh 19 damage the dc is 10 so uh if you take damage from multiple sources such as an arrow and a dragon's breath you make a separate a separate saving throw for each source of damage that is very important. You don't get, you don't just take all the damage in one turn and go, all right, one concentration. If if you have, like sometimes, uh, to make things easier, I'll have like three creatures going at the same time in the same initiative order just to speed things along. If all three of them hit you, you would technically take three individual concentration checks. And uh, that really kind of about does it for all the stuff I really wanted to talk about with spells that are either um, obscure or a little bit confusing. Does anyone else have anything that they want clarification on? Why can't Mage Ham pick me up? You weigh more than five pounds. I can only pick up five pounds. Now, Bigby's hand. Mm-hmm. Bigby's hand! That's a different story that. entirely. I... Or is that only Bard? That is actually a wizard spell. Oh. Uh, bards of the lore college can get it if they choose, uh, but that is actually, I believe, a mainly wizard spell. Uh, actually, uh. actually, uh. it is Am available for wizards... Yeah. Warlock, the Fathomless, and Artificers. Oh, what hey. <laughs> At what level? Uh, it is fifth level. <gasps> you have a, you got a little ways before you can get that one, buddy boy. Yeah. Because fifth level yeah. is what? 
12? Uh, let's find out. Hmm. Game rules. I can never remember the math Wizard. for spells. Unless... Uh, so can... it's a little different for each class, but they usually get 5th level spells around uh, 9th to 10th level. Uh, hey. let me see. Hey. hey, Ian? Oh, Artificer doesn't get a 5th level spell until 17. Hey, hey Ian? Really? Yeah. DM? That's me. If I show you a little leggy, can I get a <laughs> scroll? Never. Uh, <laughs> you're not the DM. Uh, I mean, even if you had a scroll, it would be a one-time use. You realize that, right? I will commit it to memory. That's not how it works. <laughs> I will feed it into hamburger you're... and he will poop it out. You're not a wizard. That's not how it works. <laughs> well, what if I was? If you were a wizard, class. then you could put the, the triple class. God. I mean, technically. Actually, hold on. I'm looking right now to see if uh, they get ritual caster. No, if if he's a wizard, it doesn't matter. If you get the scroll and you take the time to put it into your wizard spellbook, it doesn't matter. Uh... Shows leggy. <laughs> I don't. Well, I mean, that's their whole shtick. Is if they can find yeah, a but... spell written down and they can copy it into their spell book, they have that spell. Correct. Other but they need to have the spell slot to cast it. Right. right, right. He would still need the spell slot to cast it, but he'd get it. And you would technically Eventually. get a fifth level spell slot at level at ninth level. Shows third level. Or at level nine, I should say. Yeah. So But that that's the thing. You say it shows third leggy. No, don't tail. worry about it. <laughs> you you would have to put nine levels into wizard to get your fifth spell slot. Oof. Like not not, not reaching level nine which would be your next level you have to put nine levels into wizard so you would be level 17 before you got it as a wizard in fact i don't even think you can get a fifth level spell slot as an artificer now nope cuts off bricks legs and shows them to you <laughs> listen i'm back. i'm all about bending the rules for stuff but that's getting you a, a, a spell slot like that is uh I will gladly give up some of my spells for that uh, <laughs> you didn't have to say it <laughs> yeah Becca Becca went there uh also you don't necessarily have to be able to cast it yourself. You could always be very nice to the DM and maybe he'll just put a magic item out in the world for you to find. Or, or, here's a shocking thought. He's a fucking artificer. <laughs> but make something. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm going to make a jetpack. That, that's, that's... Okay, but... Honestly, I just got the cutest fucking image 
Pez has a backpack with a little, like, woody drawstring. He pulls it, grabs the handles, and then a hand comes out, plucks him up with the pointer and thumb, and just carries him. <laughs> All right. That, that's that's going to be my next thing. I'm not building a new gun. I'm, I'm building that. <laughs> also, I just, when you said jetpack, I just imagine, like, a little contrap, like a, no, not a little, a massive, like, backpack contraption that you make that shoots fireball out the bottom. So everyone and yourself takes damage <laughs> on liftoff, but you still technically get to fly. Rocket jump, baby. <laughs> Either that or you get a big piece hand and it just flicks you. Oh, God. <laughs> just. <laughs> oh. I, I would also stipulate that you use the end of your tail like hiss in Robin Hood and just That was gonna be my other suggestion. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh that pretty much taps me out on topics, and I am officially out of whiskey from mine glass. Oh dear. So Unless anybody has anything that else they want to talk about, we can uh, wrap this stream hours. up. Yeah, I did think of an, of a of another topic, but I'm going to save it for next time. I already posted it in the chat for suggestions. I've uh, already added it to my list. Yeah. I like I like Kasumi's one that she posted. What did she post? And uh, was it least favorite class or something like that? That was yeah. Zeke. That's that's what I posted. Was it? I thought. She commented on it. Uh, hey, if we'll you look in the uh, stream chat, I just posted a link to the doodle. What is that? What, what, what's the doodle? Oh, the doodle? Uh, the doodle of questionable quality is a service provided by Venera, the pink little bird on the screen right now. Uh, for... for $10, you not only support us in keeping the stream and the podcast alive and well, but you also get a doodle of questionable quality. Uh, you can see the doodles that we currently have. Ooh, pardon. Uh, in the intro, be right back, and uh, thanks for watching screen that you will probably be seeing here very shortly. And Ian say he can have the hand if he sings the Reading Rainbow song as he uses it. <laughs> I could do that. Butterfly in the sky. Butterfly <laughs> in my house. I need to go find my mouse. <laughs> hey, we also have a Discord. Y'all should join it. Or yes. else. Uh, and our Discord is not just for D&D. &D. We have other channels for playing uh, different games. We do Deep Rock, Destiny, Minecraft throughout the week. Uh... Anyone and everyone is welcome to join. And even if you want to pop in and just lurk, you don't want to talk, you just want to listen to us as we're playing and being overall idiots, that's perfectly fine too. We yeah, welcome We're great you. with creepers. I mean, speaking of creepers, last night was a hoot in Minecraft. Y'all should have been was there. So fucking dying. funny. <laughs> <laughs> we we found enchantments. I shot Pez like a hundred times. He somehow put boots on his head that makes him run and jump faster and farther than anyone else. I have little horns. Amazing. Okay. 
Well, with that being said, I believe that we have reached the end of Whiskey Wednesday's episode two. And uh, mm-hmm. as the chat is currently showing, if you have any suggestions, anything you want us to discuss, uh, delve deeper into, we have a chat in the D&D text channels where you can submit your suggestions for a future topic. Uh, for the moment, it looks like next week we may be talking about the Yuan-Ti and our least favorite classes and why. So, That'll be an interesting one. Yep. Uh, and I'm sure that I'll probably end up coming up with another topic or two that we can discuss uh, just to sort of pad out the time a little bit. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting here quietly while I drink myself into a stupor. Uh, but yeah. Anyone else got anything they, they want to talk about? Oh, um, we will be having our 32nd session of Tales of Archeron this Friday in two Woo-hoo. days. So join us for that. You cannot spawn hamburger. I don't have stream avatars open. Stop no! it. <laughs> uh, so join us for that. That will be 7 p.m. Central. Uh, I'm excited for that one. We may potentially be finally living the untamed West. Living the untamed West. We we are the untamed West and we are alive. Yes. What he meant to say was leaving. He's drunk. He had a bottle of whiskey. I was very confused for a moment. What? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well. Just gonna go ahead and push the old button here that says thanks for watching. <laughs> so, thank you all for watching. Uh, thank you for listening if you were on the podcast. And we will see you either Friday for D&D or we will see you next week for more Whiskey Wednesdays. Good night, everybody. Done, you. Bye, Bye, y'all. Good night. Peace, Appreciate you.